My next guest is Matt Hogan, Chief Investment Officer at Bitwise, who, of course, last week they were one of the 10 entrants into the spot Bitcoin ETF race. They launched the Bitwise Bitcoin ETF, ticker symbol BITB, uh, and that really headlines a growing suite of crypto-related ETFs from Bitwise. So they now have six ETFs altogether, nearly $400 million in assets, and Matt is now on the line with me from San Francisco. Matt, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me, and I appreciate the cool of the gang leading. <laughs> there was only one song uh, that we could uh, play for this occasion. So, so look, be honest. How tired are you after the past several weeks? Oh, I was so happy that the markets closed for the weekend. It was a wonderful thing. This was an incredible run-up. The last few weeks were really intense. Uh, and now the real work starts, but yeah, I was, I was tired on Friday night for and, sure. And you were at the, uh, the bell ringing on Friday, right? I was just talking to Vetify's Todd Rosenbluth about that. How, how did that go? It was fantastic. I mean, what an honor to ring the bell for Bitcoin at the New York Stock Exchange, you know, the U.S.'s oldest stock exchange, its newest financial asset. It really felt like a unique moment and it was a good capstone to the week to celebrate. In the lead-up to the launch of these products on um, Thursday, I'm curious, was there ever a point over these last several weeks, which obviously, um, you know, straddled a couple of holidays as well, but was there any point leading up to the SEC's 19B4 approval order? And then obviously the, the S1s, the registration statements went effective. Was there ever a point where you thought these might not be approved, or were you always pretty confident? <laughs> I mean, every day is the real answer. To this. Really? Uh, you know, we, we we looked at the at the indicia of what was going on in terms of the updating of the filings and the progress on the 1984s and the conversations with the staff, and everything was lining up for approval. So we felt very confident. But you always had in the back of your mind that this was crypto, and this was an SEC that had rejected 33 past applications. And that anything could happen. And, of course, we saw crazy stuff. We saw the SEC's main Twitter uh, handle get hacked. And uh, that shouldn't affect approval. But, of course, it, it made us nervous. So until the very moment that we saw the first trade, I was nervous. Uh, and uh, it was beautiful to get them out there. You mentioned the, the Twitter hack. Obviously, I, I saw there was some concern about that. But the, the other piece here... Um, were, were things like the SIBO filings and then the withdrawals. To, to me, it seemed like there was a lot of wacky stuff going on. But then when I took a step back and, and, and really thought about this, I think what we saw was just how the sausage is made, right? That most, yeah. most of the time, um, this stuff isn't always smooth. It's just that usually there's not this much focus on it, right? Would, would you agree with that? that? That is totally right. And you also had the fact that everyone was trying to jockey for every possible advantage. So people had pre-queued up tweets and pre-queued up press releases and everything was on a hair trigger. But yeah, this is the the, the sausage of ETF making. Usually the world doesn't care. Uh, for you know two weeks they really cared. And now we're back to normal. These things are just trading and they're trading great, uh, helping investors save money. With that, um, the SEC Twitter hack, by the way, did you think that that tweet was real? I mean, you, and you, you know this stuff way better than I you know, my expectation was that we would see the uh, the 19 before approval order hit the SEC website. I think that's what everybody thought. 
Um, and so because of that, I'm not going to say I didn't fall for the tweet. I retweeted it and, and started celebrating just because this entire adventure had been so um, – there had been so many twists and turns along the way that it, I was like, you know what? This kind of makes sense that this is how the SEC um, an- announces this. But did you think it was real or what was your, what was your take on that? <laughs> We, we were hopeful but skeptical. Uh, we didn't release our press release about 19B4 approvals because that's, you know, that's not usually how you hear about these things. You don't hear announcements on Twitter. So uh, I'm not going to say we knew it was fake from the jump, but we were at least skeptical enough to hold off on pushing go on our press releases. And uh, I, I credit our, our legal team for being smart about that. So you mentioned um – all of the issuers jockeying for position. Uh, obviously, again, I, launch day was last Thursday, and I, I'm sure you saw my tweet on this. I, I, I mean it sincerely. I really believe Bitwise um, won that day, re- really all the way around. I thought you and your team put on a master class on how to launch an ETF. I thought from the pre-launch marketing campaign with the uh, <laughs> the most interesting man in the world, I, I love those, uh, to lining up seed capital, which is important, to day one when BITB traded with extremely tight spreads, unlike some of the competitors, uh, and then really to all of your your post-launch marketing. You know, we talked about the bell ringing, but uh, I mentioned this to, to Todd Rosenbluth earlier. I feel like I've seen the BITB ticker everywhere, everywhere I go, and, and I know I'm being targeted. I, I get how the algos work and all that, but still. Uh, and, and, and then I thought about your appearance here on ETF Prime today. This might be the last podcast uh, that you've appeared on. I, I mean, <laughs> I'm in the minority, but can you just talk about that entire process and maybe how your past experience in the ETF space played into this? Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think there are a couple factors there. You know, many of us at Bitwise come from ETF backgrounds. I, of course, I was the CEO of ETF.com, spent 15 years in the industry. Teddy Fusaro worked at Index IQ. So we had a lot of ETF expertise alongside our crypto expertise. And we also knew that we were entering an extremely competitive environment, probably the most competitive ETF launch of all time. We've never seen 10 ETFs launch on the same commodity on the same day. So in, in that environment, when you're competing with giant and great firms like BlackRock or Fidelity or ARK or Grayscale or Wisdom Tree or Van Eck, I mean, these are exceptional firms. We knew we had to be sort of perfect at every step in order to get out the gate and have a role to play in the future. So, yeah, we we tried to do some brand advertising early to elevate the Bitwise brand and make people more familiar with it. Uh, We worked very hard on seed capital. We worked exceptionally hard on the pricing of our ETF. We had the most APs and market makers lined up of anyone Uh, We knew that every little detail mattered, and we had to get everyone right if we wanted to be relevant long-term in Bitcoin ETFs. We were really happy to get the most day-one flows and have, you know, sufficient volume that we can now have conversations with national account platforms about why they should include an ETF from a true crypto specialist, which is what distinguishes Bitwise in this race. We've been doing this for seven years. So it was really fun. It was fun to finally get to put all that ETF knowledge to work uh, along with my colleagues, and we're really happy with the outcome. Yeah, no, I it clearly showed the the ETF expertise there. Um, again, I just as a, an independent observer watching this all go down, it, it was crystal clear the um, 
you know, you know sublime execution here. So congratulations on that. Oh, I appreciate that. Okay, so um, Thank you. look, we're, we're going to come back to BITB and the competition here in, in just a moment. But as I was thinking about our conversation today, uh, as I'm sure you, you've probably been in the same boat, I've received a lot of questions over the past week in terms of how spot uh, Bitcoin ETFs actually work. And uh, you might feel like I'm just buttering your bread today, but I, I truly believe you're one of the best educators on really both ETFs and crypto. And so if you don't mind, I'd, I'd like to walk through these questions and you can do a little uh, spot Bitcoin ETFs 101. That work? Love it. Yeah. Okay. Great. Okay. So the, um, the first question is around cash creations and redemptions. And I, I'd love to have you just walk through exactly how this works like literally explain how the cash flows from one place to another and who is ultimately responsible for buying and selling the bitcoin oh this is a great this is a great question i love this let's start you know all these etfs are cash creation but let's start with the counter example which you know many of these tried to start out being in kind the way an in-kind creation works, you have your ETF and it's trading. And if it trades at a premium to its net asset value, you know, a tenth of a percent, a percent, the APs, the authorized participants, knows that they're demand, so they want to create more shares. And the way they would do that in an in-kind creation is these APs, which are institutional investors, would go out and buy Bitcoin and then deliver that Bitcoin to the sponsor, in this case, Bitwise in exchange for an equal value in shares. And that makes it really easy for the ETF issuer or sponsor because they get all the Bitcoin they need and uh, and they, they're able to get shares out to the market. And a redemption would work the same way. If these APs redeem shares, the ETF sponsor would just send them the Bitcoin. The way cash creates work is just a little bit different. Uh, those authorized participants sense demand for new shares but instead of sending Bitwise uh, Bitcoin, they send us cash. So in our case, creation orders have to be in by 2 p.m. And at 2 p.m., they'll wire us the money. And then Bitwise will go out and purchase the Bitcoin. So, for instance, on the first day, we had $237 million in net flows. That meant $237 million came into our account. And then we had to go out and buy Bitcoin. And we did that from Bitcoin trading parties uh, like Jane Street and Macquarie and Cumberland. We would put them in competition with another one another to get the best price. And we got phenomenal execution. Um, once we acquire that Bitcoin, it's deposited with the custodian and, uh, and the cash is released to the trading counterparty. So that's the real difference. You know, people talked about wanting in-kind creations versus cash. The reason is, it's simpler. It's slightly more efficient. But honestly, they're very, very similar. There is not a major difference. It's just who is doing that trading of Bitcoin. I, I don't want to get down the um, regulatory path here, but you mentioned putting multiple parties in competition to get the best execution on the price of Bitcoin. Yeah. Why, why is the SEC more comfortable with that versus having multiple APs um, do this directly? Yeah, it's a great question. It has to do with a, uh, a directive that the SEC put out a few years ago that made it impossible for broker-dealers to physically touch Bitcoin. So these authorized participants are broker-dealers, and this rule made it so that they couldn't handle Bitcoin directly. And uh, 
Uh, you know, there, there are various reasons for that. Mostly it has to do with just sort of unknown risks of what might happen if they touch this stuff. But because they can't handle it directly, it makes in-kinds impossible, uh, not impossible, just more difficult. Um, and so they defaulted to this other format. They're very comfortable with broker-dealers handling cash and handling securities. That's all they do all day. And in this case, that's all these APs are doing. They're sending in cash and they're getting ETF shares, which are securities, which they can sell into the market. I do think, Nate, we'll get to in-kind creations and redemptions, but I think it may be a while. And the other maybe just last detail, the real reason people were worried about this was the tax consequence. If you bought Bitcoin and then there was a redemption and you sold it and it had gone up in value, people were worried that that would create a capital gain. But because of the way grantor trusts works, that's not how capital gains taxes work. You can assign out capital gain basis on cash creation. So in reality, these are great ETFs. They work very similar to in-kind. Um, it's just who is doing the buying and selling. But And again, I just want to be clear, with the parties that you're working with to um, actually execute the buying and selling of Bitcoin, don't they have to touch Bitcoin in this process? They do, but they're Bitcoin trading counterparties, and there are a lot of protections in place. For instance, those trading counterparties have to deposit the Bitcoin with our custodian before we release the cash. And so uh, the trust is never sort of, you know, exposed to that sort of trading risk. But certain people uh, are able to touch Bitcoin, just not traditional broker-dealers. And could there be um, meaningful differences in the buying and selling of Bitcoin? Like, like theoretically, could Bitwise do a better job of this than some of the competitors? And, and if so, would we see that reflected in performance? Yeah, you will see that reflected in performance. You know, at Bitwise, we've been trading uh, millions and millions of dollars of crypto for seven-plus years. We've been running crypto funds since 2017. And we think that gives us a significant advantage. We also have the most uh, or near the most Bitcoin trading counterparties and authorized participants. I think over time, that sort of trading expertise will really add up. There's a reason in specialist areas of the market that people will often want to work with specialist experts. And this is an example of that. Bitwise is expert at trading Bitcoin. And uh, I think that's going to show up in performance long term. Okay, so once the Bitcoin is bought, I'd, I'd love to have you explain the custodial process. And I, I would say more importantly, explain how the end investor knows it's actually there because, you know, you'll laugh. You and I have fought this battle for a long time on the uh, physical gold ETFs where, where we have people that think yeah. that they don't actually own the, the, the physical gold bars. But I, I want to be fair to these concerns because I, I have received a number of, of, of questions on this. So how do we know the Bitcoin is actually stored at the custodian? And in your case, that's Coinbase. Yeah, absolutely. And I should say on the trading fact, we'll see how that plays out over time. I, I'm not, not guaranteeing higher returns. Sure. Um, on the custodial, the custodial side, yeah, once we arrange to buy Bitcoin from one of these Bitcoin trading counterparties, it's deposited with Coinbase's institutional custody business. That's a state trust chartered uh, regulated custodian. And then it's audited each year by KPMG. And that's really the, the system that you rely on for custody in every ETF is, you know, usually a big four auditor. We're, we're happy BitB has KPMG doing that audit. Um, 
and uh, and that's how you know it's there. It's very analogous to the gold ETF, as you mentioned, and and you probably remember when they blindfolded Bob Pisani and drove him around London and then <laughs> took him into the gold vault to see the, the gold. Uh, people will be skeptical, but these ETFs are buying and selling Bitcoin. There's um, no incentive for them to do otherwise, and uh, uh, that's what we're doing at Bitwise, and, and that's what I'm sure all of these 10 ETFs are doing. Let's say Coinbase does something wrong here. Um, what, what's the risk to ETF shareholders? Like if Coinbase is somehow hacked, and I, I know some of the stuff may be far-fetched, Matt, but, but bear with me. Like let's say Coinbase is, is hacked or they send the Bitcoin to the wrong place or whatever. Do ETF shareholders bear that risk or is there some underlying insurance? How, how does that work? Yeah, you, these, these institutional custodians have been managing these uh, pools of Bitcoin for many years without incident. Uh, they do have some level of insurance protection. But just like the gold ETF, if there's a fundamental failure of the custodian, there is risk to the investor. I think if you look at the gold ETF, you'll see that if somebody breaks into the HSBC vault and steals all the gold, then uh, GLD doesn't have gold anymore. Um, and and there's, there's that level of risk. But it's worth noting, you know, these are uh, – regulated custodians they do have insurance in place and they've been doing it for multiple years in a secure manner um but of course there's there's risk in investing okay a couple more questions here um real quick uh and and this one i've I've seen again have received from several people can bitb or any of these spot bitcoin etfs lend out their bitcoin absolutely not no these are grantor trusts uh they'll hold their bitcoin and, uh, and that's all that they can do. They can't lend out their Bitcoin. Okay, and then if someone is buying BITB during the day, how can they know that it's trading in line with the underlying value of Bitcoin? Like, what's an easy way for any investor, a retail investor, whoever, to know whether an ETF is trading, I would say at a premium in particular, which is what I think would be the biggest concern for most people? Right. Yeah, absolutely. At the end of the day, you can compare the closing price with the net asset value. Intraday, you can adjust that for the INAV like any other ETF. The beautiful thing about the Bitcoin market is that, you know, it trades 24-7 through 65. So you can compare the price movement of the ETF versus uh, its INAV or versus um, changes in the price of Bitcoin from the last NAV print, depending on what you have access to and see how it tracks. My expectation is, particularly as we get past the first week, when there tends to be you know, only one-sided demand for these ETFs on the buy side, you're going to see these trade very close to their net asset value. And, and already you're seeing that start to happen. That's what I was going to say. I mean, even if you look at the first couple of days of trading, um, as a whole, these, these ETFs traded with very tight spreads and then very close to their NAV. Uh, so I think that's a good yeah. sign, and to your point, that's only going to improve uh, as we move further out from from the first day of trading. Uh, just a few minutes uh, left here, Matt. Coming back to the spot Bitcoin ETF competition overall, Bitwise is one of the lowest cost providers at 20 basis points. As you alluded to earlier, and I think most people know, obviously Bitwise specializes in crypto. And I know you're not here to sell. That, that's not your nature. But I'd, I'd love to have you actually sell in this case because there are 10 ETFs in this category. And investors may be trying to decide which one to buy. So just high level, give us the case for BITB. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, low cost, lowest cost out of the gate, uh, six-month fee waiver, and then just 20 basis points, which is half the cost of GLD, 20% cheaper than, you know, funds from BlackRock and others. Uh, paired with crypto expertise, which helps with the trading and the custody and the due diligence. But the biggest piece is the relationship you get with Bitwise. You know, we work with financial advisors. Uh, they want someone to call if news breaks in crypto that's a deep expert in the space that's been following it through bull and bear markets that will answer the phone when Bitcoin's up 20% or when it's down 20%. And Bitwise has, you know, 60 plus people that that's all we do. We have uh, distribution people in every part of the country. All they do is think about crypto. So, you know, these big firms will get their share of assets, but we think a lot of people will want an expert uh, that they can have a relationship with. And the fact that they can have that at Bitwise, plus the crypto expertise in trading, plus one of the lowest cost uh, products in the market, makes Big B a, a pretty great choice. Well, Matt, we're going to have to leave it there. I wanted to talk about the investment case for Bitcoin, but we're going to have to do that later. But I, I, I love this Bitcoin ETF 101. I think this is extremely helpful for investors. So thank you for doing that. Congratulations on the launch. I, I know you and your team have been working on this for such a long time. So I'm very happy for you. Uh, again, congratulations, and thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Really enjoyed it. That was Matt Hogan, Chief Investment Officer at Bitwise.